Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. All right. We are two friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity. We welcome you into that conversation. And uh, as of lately, we've been talking about Zion, which in the restoration is like the the thing, the the thing that culminates that we're all looking forward to this city here on the earth with Jesus. Um, and it was talked about in our early history in the Doctrine and Covenants. And the first time it's mentioned is in Doctrine and Covenants 6. But last time we talked about Zion uh, and the history of that word and how it meant um, it was a hill, it was a place of gathering. Uh, some people attach the meaning of a utopia. Um, it was the city of David, but it's most often referenced to as a place. Um, and so of, of God's covenant people. And so uh, I, we talked about maybe not understanding or, or having a hope in something that, that maybe we think we're going to do, we're going to build and how that has caused frustration and actually maybe still causes a lot of conflict among us as, as we try to, as a people, reach out and find our way to build this holy city or to organize and to prepare this place of righteousness so that Jesus can come back. And I think what we've been talking about in the scriptures is in the Book of Mormon and um, the timeline is that in the past, Jesus came and dwelt with his people and then they built Zion. And and this one heart and one mind that we quote so many times happened because he was in their presence. We've seen this uh, happen in the Book of Mormon and um, in Enoch City that, that we have a history of at the very beginning of recorded history. And so if our hope is misplaced and we continually fail to build a righteous city, would we be a happier people, a more trustworthy people, maybe uh, easier to get along with each other type of people if we maybe took a different look at the way things are supposed to progress and realize that we got a great help coming from our creator himself, that he's going to come back and, and dwell with us and be here to help in this last great day of of all things coming together. What do, what do you think, Corey? Yeah, there's there's answers in the scripture that I think definitely steer us towards greater understanding, and uh, that's that's what we'll uh, get into again today. Well, so when Zion is mentioned in the Doctrine and Covenants, like for instance, the very first time we see the word, and we we talked about Genesis uh, last time, um, and the the section that got put into Genesis was was recorded in the Doctrine and Covenants uh, later on. But this first mention of, of Zion um, just simply says, seek to establish the cause of Zion. What does that phrase, what do you think that phrase means to you, that, that word cause of Zion? Oh, I, I guess it's not a lot different than when Jesus states in the New Testament in Matthew, you know, seek you first to build up the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. I I think in that in that phrase, the word build up isn't a hammer and nails thing, but it's like to promote the things of God. Uh, seek first to promote the things of God in this world, you know, to bring love and joy and peace and, and truth. Um, and then, you know, whatever's added, God's blessing comes because of that. And, and I, I guess it means to me the same thing. It's just a little bit different wording. Well, this, uh, I think that the one we read last time came forth in 1830. This is 1829. I I don't have time. I did not go back into all the church periodicals. I just, I picture like this early, this young boy, right? And the, the Book of Mormon and the plates and the angel. And all of a sudden this word Zion pops up that has had such a prolific place in our history. I don't know what other mention of it off record or out of the Doctrine and Covenants was taking place 
or what it what did this mean to the people when they read this right um because he, he says you know ask of me you shall receive you knock it shall be opened and now as i have as you have asked i say unto you keep my commandments and seek to bring forth and establish the cause of zion i wonder if there was a relationship there about this word already or if this is the first time the Lord mentions it to Joseph, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, the cause of Zion. Yeah, I don't know. I, I certainly they had all the Old Testament and they've read that. So I, I think I would think that would be the perspective. Early on was all of Isaiah and the Psalms and everything that Joseph already knew in the Bible that this Zion was this, um, you know, the city of David, this this righteous place where God's people were. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe nothing more or nothing less. I don't know. Well, it, some we we kind of ended the last podcast talking about this in the 1830s um, things perceptions people had then, and I, I think for me, what's helped me form a a little maybe different understanding is is in the Book of Mormon, and I, I don't want to necessarily get into all these scriptures yet, but just saying that in our church history, I think when we've thought about Zion, we, we kind of immediately look at Enoch City and we look at this promise of its return and building up the cause of Zion, you know, I think in our minds takes us to, hey, you know, what can we do to have Enoch City come back, you know, to use that in maybe a simplistic statement. Um, but yet there's a lot of people, I've, I've heard sermons just within the last couple of months where people are like, hey, what, you know, we got to do this so we can have Zion, you know, and it's like that passage and Enoch's passage has has shaped our thinking in that direction and it's it's I think that the details of that are all important but yet there's another aspect of this that I think gets left out sometimes of the conversation that's just as important and that's that's the covenants that lead design and it's something that it's more told in the Book of Mormon and so um, anyhow we'll, we'll get to that in a minute uh, did you want to talk about we, last time we were talking a little bit about the 1830s and people buying up the land? Well, so a couple, a couple scriptures come to mind that are popular, and you said one of them earlier. Um, uh, yeah, where is that one on the? That that's a popular one that I hear quite a bit. Um, I'm looking right now. Let me, well, I, I, this might be it. There's there's a scripture that Zion would be redeemed even though she's chastened for a season. These these words, this one, and then um, that's in Doctrine and Covenants 97.4a. Uh, and then another one is um, in Section 102, which was in 1834, were it not for the transgressions of my people concerning the church, not individuals, they might have been redeemed even now. Yes, let's let's talk about that in context. All right, so uh, I'll make a statement, and I'll probably become unpopular by saying this, but I, th I think we have incorrectly looked at the scriptures from Genesis and then coupled this together and thinking that's the problem, why we don't have Zion. Because in Genesis 9 or DNC 36, wherever you want to read it, there's a statement, hey, when men keep all my commandments, Zion will again come to the earth. We, we get that as this basis. And then we get these scriptures saying, were it not for the transgressions of my people, it says they might have been redeemed even now, but they haven't learned to be obedient. And Zion cannot be built up unless it's by the principles of the law of the celestial kingdom. Otherwise, I can't receive her to myself. So here's, here's one of the things, though, people have to keep in mind. Where I just read was section 102. Uh, section 102 came in June uh, 22, 1834. And the other scripture I read from from the Doctrine and Covenants 97 was given in October 12, 1833. Both of these came after a time when the early arriving saints to Jackson County had been expelled. And they were expelled for reasons which until recently I never really understand. We covered it previously how uh, David Whitmer writes that... Um, they were printing things that were even told they aren't supposed to print. They got in the hands of people who, I mean, it made the, to be blunt, it made the arriving Latter-day Saints sound almost like a, a jihad thing where it was mm -hmm. calling the, 
inhabitants already of Jackson County. Now, remember, this is Western frontier. You know, they're on the mm-hmm. edge of Indian country. And it called them infidels and that we were going to take the land. And it just sounded like there was um, like a malicious intent to come and like overcome. And it was like, it had these people worried. Who are these people coming? What are they doing? I mean, if, if you live someplace and all of a sudden there was these posters being put up, hey, you infidels, we're coming for your land. You know, what are you going to do? You're going to get your gun, right? Mm-hmm. Well, David Whitmer, in his writings, takes this position and he even says that it, uh, the saints deserved to be expelled. And W.W. W. Phelps writes about this later. He said, no, we had it coming. We we were too intent, too headstrong, I guess to use a word, on on this. And they didn't weren't coming with love. They're kind of like, hey, they were they were armed with this self righteousness. And so they got evicted from their own land by by force. Well and David Whitmer was at odds with Joseph Smith and said, look, we were told not to print these things for the world to see right now because the Lord knew their response. And and one of the myths that I came across is I was told all growing up that the they destroyed the printing press and the, the papers were thrown in the ground. But David Whitmer said that book was published yeah. and he has a copy of it. And, and I have no reason to doubt that in that if he had a copy that people were reading what the saints were receiving and not seeing anything other than what you just said. They're here. They think this is their land. This is, you know, they're using God to say this is their land and we're not going to have this. Let's get them out of here. Yeah. And so when this scripture comes in Doctrine and Covenants 97 and also 102, 102 is important just from the timeline of church history. This is the revelation that came to the people known as Zion's camp. And what Zion's camp was, was an organized militia under Joseph Smith of people who were coming from Kirtland, Ohio and other places. And they, they congregated in Missouri, just not far North of here on the fishing river. You come down I 35 and you cross it. And, and they were, (laughs) they were up in arms. They were armed. There was about 233 men who had were camping and their idea was they were going to come take their land back by force. And the, the end of the story is that they, they never did when they met at fishing river, they left and it's unclear why there was this intent that we have to do it and then why all of a sudden they didn't. It almost sounded like Joseph Smith told them at one point in time, well, this was just a test of your faith. Who knows? I, I can't answer those questions. But when the statement is made, hey, we're, this is Doctrine and Covenants 102, 2A. Behold, I say unto you, were it not for the transgressions of my people concerning the church and not individuals, they might have been redeemed even now. That that follows the serve. The, the verse that says, hey, you've assembled yourselves together to learn my will concerning the redemption of mine afflicted people. Well, what they were talking about was going back and getting the lands of Jackson County that had been taken from them. And, and this gets coupled with these phrases like Zion can't be built up unless the principles of the law of the celestial kingdom. Well, remember, this is given to a group of people who's sitting on a river with their rifles on their laps, ready to, to march the next 30 miles <laughs> back into Jackson County. And, and they're going to need to physically take back their property, which, you know, they, they probably had a right to have their property, you know? So, so there was this political legal skirmish going on, but this doesn't have anything to do with Enoch city coming back out of heaven. And I, I hate to, I hope we don't lose listeners for saying this, but it's, it, it wasn't the context of the revelation. And yet we've held, and, and this is my contention is that we've, we've really not studied the book of Mormon, which answers these questions in clarity. And we've taken a, a passage out of Enoch's account, which I believe has come by inspiration. And then we've taken these other instances out of our church history and then, you know, like, okay, well, when we're good enough, we could have had Zion. See, the people weren't good enough, so they didn't have Zion. And if we're good enough right now, we'll have Zion. And it's like, this is just this continual conversation we have in the church where we've completely left out the covenants, which the Book of Mormon describes wonderfully, that lead to when the physical city is built, when Jesus is in our midst and the city is built, and this, what happens when the word goes out from there, 
and the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem spiritually coming back to earth, all of it's described in the Book of Mormon, but none of it ever gets included in this conversation. We just kind of bat back and forth between, hey, when we're good enough, we'll have Zion. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and they could have had it, and we could have already been living in Zion. And it's like, no, that's the, why the covenants you, aren't fulfilled. Yeah, and I, I want to. That's I think that's important to go through some of these scriptures that we've maybe taught or added a little meaning to in the doctrine of covenants and see if it holds up or how it fits in because I think they do fit in with the Book of Mormon. Hold that thought where you're at. I'm just going back from time to time, kind of linear, where Zion's mentioned in the doctrine of covenants. And listen to this in in 39. Joseph was kind of getting chastened, and then it says. Uh, the behold, the days of thy deliverance are come. If thou wilt hearken unto my voice, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on my name, and thou shalt receive my spirit in a blessing so great as thou hast never known. And if you do this, I have a, I have prepared thee for a greater work. Now listen to this, Corey. Thou shalt preach the fullness of my gospel, which I have sent forth in these last days. Right? The Book of Mormon the covenant which I have sent forth to recover who? My people which are of the house of Israel. Right. He's telling Joseph right now, preach the fullness of my gospel the, the, that's come forth with the Book of Mormon to recover my people which are of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass that power shall rest upon thee. Thou shalt have great faith, and I will be with thee and go before thy face. Thou art called to labor in my vineyard and to build up my church and to bring forth Zion that it may rejoice upon the hills and flourish. What did he just proceed that with? That you're called to preach the fullness of my gospel so that so that I can recover my people, the house of Israel. Right. Not not just a small group. So what if Joseph's calling was to preach the fullness of the gospel in the Book of Mormon? so that the house of Israel can begin to be covered. And where would the house of Israel be? Uh, they would be also the city, Jerusalem, which was called the city of David, Zion. So when we're saying to bring forth Zion, I don't know that he's referring just to uh, establish this holy city and in independence where Enoch City comes back to, but rather the whole history of, of this concept of his people right. gathered together, the city of David, Jerusalem. Yeah, I love I love that, Mike. I th- I think that just nailed it because it's it's a bigger thing than just what we use kind of have heard as well Jackson County, or at least it starts in Jackson County, or it's about us or because of us. See, this is kind of the bigger fallacy of the thought that it's our job to build Zion. As much as that sounds like a shock, because we are the Gentiles who receive the Book of Mormon, and if we read the prophecies of the Book of Mormon. The Gentiles come into judgment for largely rejecting the fullness. Not everyone, not everyone, but mm-hmm. that the prophecy is when when that comes, it's a signpost, and the word goes back to the remnant, and it's when they rise up in power spiritually, and Jesus is in their midst, and then this city is built right. by them. And that's the the part of the story that is my contention is that we keep missing it. And and but look, I want to read the next couple of verses, then I'll, then I'll turn it back to you. Because keeping this timeline, he, he just told him, "I've got great work for you to do: preach the fullness of my gospel, so that I can recover my people, the house of Israel, and that you can assist in that I will build up my church and bring forth Zion, that it may rejoice upon the hills." We already talked about Zion, but listen, verily I say unto you, you're called not to go into the eastern countries; thou art called to go to Ohio. And as much as my people shall assemble themselves together to Ohio, I have kept in store a blessing such as not known among men, and it shall be poured forth upon their heads. And from thence, men shall go forth into all nations. Right. This wasn't just, uh, you guys have a work to do. This, this was like, when he's talking about Zion and everything, it's preparing a group of people to then go forth, preach the gospel, and bring the knowledge of Jesus back to them so that he can recover the house of Israel and, and Zion will be upon the hills. It's much more global and, I think, big. Yeah, yeah, I love that. You know, coming back to this section 102, just to bring this back into the focus of what this term, hey, Zion could have been redeemed even now. Again, this was the people trying to go back and get their lands back. And and this is 
where Zion is applied to just Jackson County, where in verse 3, uh, 3A, we said, um, well, or 2B, I guess we read, uh, you know, people must need to be chastened until they learn obedience. If the, if it must needs be by the things that they suffer. Now, now here's where it says something interesting. I speak not concerning those who are appointed to lead my people who are the first elders of the church, for they are not under all under this condemnation, but I speak concerning my churches abroad. There are many who will say, where is their God? In other words, he's saying a lot of people in the church are kind of going to wonder, what's happening? Why aren't these promises fulfilled? Behold, he will deliver in time of trouble, Otherwise, we will not go up to Zion and we will keep our monies. When he just said we will not go up to Zion and we will keep our monies, he's talking about people who are just gathering to Jackson County. You know, he's talking about, hey, and, and, and Zion is just a reference to this small group of people who are in this Jackson County who were dispersed. So he, he's trying to, like, warn the people, hey, don't let this stuff that's happened discourage you from knowing that we're going to gather. But the, the, the greater point, and then 3C says, therefore, in consequence of the transgression of my people, it is expedient in me that my elders should wait for a little season for the redemption of Zion. See, this is where he's in Zion's camp, this armed militia, and he just all of a sudden calls off the the, the troops. He says, wait for a little season for the redemption of Zion. What he's talking about is we're, we're not going to go to Jackson County right now. And so this is, this is the point historically is that Zion in this case is not the redemption of Zion of Enoch City coming down out of heaven. It's simply... The, the words they were using, they were calling Jackson County the land that they own Zion already. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. That's all it was. So, again, we, we incorrectly couple, you know, like, like you just pointed out, Zion was for this redemption of Israel and these promises since Abraham's day. And, and the, our people have taken these scriptures that were local and specific and given at a certain point in time, and any reference to Zion seems to think, oh, well, it's something about Enoch City. You know, it's going to be a little season till Enoch City is redeemed, or we could have had Enoch City even now. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's that's not what it meant. So so the the answer, happily, is given in the Book of Mormon. I mean, it, it does share these things. I know you might have other scripture you want to share because you're sharing great stuff. But I, I just don't want to leave people hanging that we can't know the truth because the truth is in the scripture. Well, let's... So there's one more big one I want to read, yeah. and then let's. The Book of Mormon is always the foundation. It has to be, and and we can't have something come forth that doesn't fit into that. So let's read this because this is a big one. Doctrine and Covenants 57, um, because we're talking about a, a spot for the temple and some things that need to be done. So one uh, a. 57, 1a, hearken, O ye elders of my church, saith the Lord your God, who have assembled yourselves together according to my commandments in this land, which is the land of Missouri, Mm -hmm. which is the land which I have appointed and consecrated for the gathering of the saints. Wherefore, this is the land of promise and the place for the city of Zion. Thus saith the Lord your God, if you will receive wisdom, here is wisdom. Behold, the place which is now called Independence is the center place and the spot for the temple is lying westward upon a lot which is not far from the courthouse. Wherefore, it is wisdom that the land should be purchased by the saints and also every tract lying westward, even unto the line running directly between Jew and Gentile. And also every tract bordering by the prairies, inasmuch as my disciples are enabled to buy lands. Behold, this is wisdom, and they may obtain it for an everlasting inheritance. So there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, it talks about the temple, the spot for the temple. Um, this is the place for the city Zion. Uh, the temples to be lying on a spot west of the courthouse, buy up the land, line westward. Where's the line today running between Jew and Gentile? (laughs) So, okay, so this is the big, this is one of the... Yeah, some of that doesn't make sense. This is the foundation of a lot of the restoration, though, and why people have gathered to Independence, Missouri from all over, because there's a direct revelation saying the courthouse... West of that is where the temple is going to be, and that this is the place for the city 
of Zion. So what do we do with, with this uh, scripture, Corey? Well, I, I think we put it in context that um, the Book of Mormon has some answers that I think before we can answer the Doctrine and Covenants questions, we, we have to have the foundation laid by what, what the Book of Mormon said, which is like you read, their job was to preach and teach this so that the House of Israel could, could know the truth. Um, it seems to be a theme that the people early on in the church latched on to the idea pretty quickly that, hey, we had to gather right now because Zion was a, a, you know going to come. And everyone was like now even people say, hey, I know I'm going to see Zion in my lifetime. That was happening back then too. I read something in church history recently where all these people were testifying and you know by Zion coming there, I think they meant Enoch City coming down from heaven, God in our presence, full righteousness established in the earth, um, which we haven't seen. So when, and again, the crux is when people, or maybe the crutch, when people say, yeah, but where is it now? Then they turn back to one of these scriptures, like section 102, and they say, well, we just weren't righteous. You know, so it's always this cycle, this circular argument. Right, right? so we, we, we beat ourselves up and right, go right. back with our heads hung. And, and we, we get these, you know, we get it from the pulpit, we get it from classes, we get it from whatever, that, hey, when you're righteous enough, it'll happen. And so, uh, and, and you see, this is where, looking at Genesis 9 where it says, when men keep all my commandments, I will again come to the earth. I, I know we mentioned this before, but we've looked at it like the condition. Okay, well, we have to keep the commandments and then Zion will happen. And then someone will single out something like tithing. If we would have just paid tithing, we could have had Zion, you know, leaving out loving your neighbor as yourself and all these other things. But what the the downfall of all that is that we, we don't see for what maybe the Book of Mormon and the Bible have already taught that maybe this scripture has been read 180 degrees opposite of what it means. Maybe it wasn't saying, hey, here's this carrot out here. When you do this, you're going to get the reward. And other, but maybe it was just describing the condition, which is accurate. The day when men keep all my commandments will be when the earth has fulfilled its purpose. And even at the beginning of the millennium, it implies people haven't perfected God's ways yet. That's why Isaiah writes, nations will be flowing unto Zion to learn of her ways. Then they'll start beating their plows and uh, you know, spears into plowshares and all that, the scripture. By the end of the millennium, because the scripture indicates there's going to be darkness in this season of uh, the little season, we know that even by the end, the earth still has some corruption. And maybe men aren't keeping all my commandments. You know, in a way, you think about it: Is God going to bring heaven to earth and then still have this place where unrighteousness dwells? We're told that's a conflict that can't happen. You can't have heaven on earth and God's perfection, and then have imperfection in it. You can't have sin and corruption. So the point I'm getting at is maybe what Genesis nine has been saying all along is that it's simply a prophecy saying there's going to be a time when people keep all my commandments and it'll even happen after this little season at the end of the millennium. And that's when a new heaven and new earth happen. You know, when, when Satan is finally defeated, right? Cause he's not totally defeated, not totally mm -hmm. vanquished at the beginning of the millennium. He's just bound for a thousand years. But at the end of that time period, men do keep all my commandments, right? According to scripture. And maybe it's simply describing that day when that comes is going to be when Satan is finally bound. And, and that's what John says. Oh, and then a new heaven and earth come. I see this, you know, I see this new city coming down out of heaven. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what Genesis nine has been saying all along, which still conflicts with this. And maybe there's a separation between what Enoch city is. This is what I was going back to earlier coming back versus heaven and earth coming back. And maybe somehow we've mixed the words New Jerusalem and Zion in that sense. Maybe Enoch City, those people are coming back at the beginning of the millennium, but maybe that's not this whole New Jerusalem thing coming back where it's the, really the description of heaven and earth blending into one, you know? But, yeah, and that's that's important, But it, and I like thinking about that. It's not even though the main crux of I think the importance of understanding this is the timeline in the Book of Mormon that is so important because it gives hope as far as Jesus working with us and amongst exactly. the. Let me read. We can't. I want to read one more because we got to keep it real. And this is 
look, there's some things here that just don't add up. And this has always been one for me, section 83 of the Doctrine and Covenants. It's, this was given to Joseph in Kirtland. They just returned to uh, uh, Kirtland. Um, and it says, this is a revelation of Jesus unto his servant Joseph and six elders. The word of the Lord concerning his church established in the last days for the restoration of his people he has spoken by the mouth of his prophets and for the gathering of his saints to stand upon Mount Zion, which shall be the city, New Jerusalem. We've already read earlier where that would be, right? The temple, which city shall be built beginning at the temple lot, which is appointed by the finger of the Lord in the western boundaries of the state of Missouri and dedicated by the hand of Joseph Smith, Jr. and others with whom the Lord was well pleased. Verily, this is the word of the Lord, that the city, New Jerusalem, shall be built by the gathering of the saints, beginning at this place, even the place of the temple. Now listen. Which temple shall be reared in this generation? Yeah. That's we can't, we can't kick question. that out of our history. The, the only, for verily, this generation shall not all pass away, until a house shall be built unto the Lord, and a cloud shall rest upon it, which cloud shall be even the glory of the Lord, which shall fill the house. I've heard this explained in different ways, but you really have to twist it. He's talking about western Missouri, the temple lot that they've already described, uh, the gathering of the saints beginning here, which temple shall be reared in this generation. Mm -hmm. I don't see any way around it, Corey. That temple was not reared in that generation. I mean, is that true or? You're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know of a temple that was reared in that generation? No. Even if we go a hundred years later. Uh, and so that on the surface could seek to maybe destroy some faith or crumble a foundation. Um, it's not something I don't think we talk about very often, but yeah, I'd get in trouble with a lot of people for saying this because in the, you know, in the restoration, we we want to assume that anything that was ever said or spoken, or especially bound in a book, um, was always a hundred percent accurate. And I, all I know is this: I, I, David Whitmer wrote, said this too. Um, he said, you know, Joseph Smith did not write a single word of the Book of Mormon. You know, in terms of it wasn't his words; it, it came by direct inspiration through this Yerm and Thummim, and they weren't even allowed to proceed until they got each word right. What the Book of Mormon does is answer something that, man, it, it doesn't leave me hanging like that scripture you just read. It's like, how do we reconcile that? That, yeah, you can go down to Independence, and, and there is a temple there now, the building they call the temple, but even if that was it, it wasn't reared in the generation of Joseph Smith's day. Well, as the glory of the Lord dwelt upon it. Yeah, well, you know, right, all those questions. And so, and the anticipation of the saints back then was this fervor that Zion is coming right now. And, you know, we, we see how that got warped when some podcasts ago we were sharing some of Brigham Young's statements and how he even said to the people in 1844, so this is 14 years after the church started in 1830, officially started, and he says, hey, don't you know that we're 14 years into the millennium already? You know, I'm slightly paraphrasing it, but that's basically, some people were even teaching that the millennium started when the church was reorganized, and that that isn't factual either, but nevertheless, See, people were writing it down and people were were stating it. I I look at things in our recent church history and sometimes I have to say, you know what? Not everything that was written down was necessarily always inspired. And I know that's a tough pill for some people to swallow, but and I don't I don't expect you to necessarily believe that just because I say it. Now, unfortunately, that leaves you open to a lot of um criticism of a lot of things in the in, in the scriptures and then you start nitpicking and splitting hairs well was this inspired and this wasn't my answer is you know i don't i don't know i, I know there were humans back then just like there are humans now and humans can make mistakes but but what i like is the foundation that the book of mormon tells me about zion and honestly and this is just me speaking mike because i know we're just having casual conversations i can get to me, a beautiful picture of Zion in the New Jerusalem 
and I can do it with even blinders on to the statements or even if there were mistakes that were made in the Doctrine and Covenants. I can, I can even learn about Zion without reading Enoch City account. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't read it, but I'm just saying when I look at the Book of Mormon, wow, I, I get this. It, it comes from a totally different angle. It comes from what you just read a couple minutes ago that this was a promise not made to people in Jackson County in the 1830s. It was a promise for and by and about and because of the whole house of Israel. And that's the part of the story that gets left out, I think, when we tell this story of Zion, which is, you know, our fault. But maybe that's something we can help change with our podcast. Well, the last thing I'll say about this section and this promise is that the Lord goes on and talks to them about priesthood and, and talks to them about the disobedience of people and how the priesthood of Moses was taken out from among them. And he goes on to say that the, the world lies under sin and the bondage of sin. And then he gives a little uh, very important statement here in 8a, talking about how their, their minds have been darkened in times past and unbelief because you've treated lightly the things you have received. And this condemnation um, has brought the whole church under condemnation. And it resteth upon the children of Zion. And he's talking about them. So there's another use of the word Zion where it's not that city back here with us. But it, it, he's talking about these saints, these people, even all. They shall remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember what? The new covenant, even the Book of Mormon, <laughs> and the former commandments I've given them. That not only to say, but to do according to that which is written, that they may bring forth fruit meet for their father's kingdom. Otherwise, there remaineth a scourge and a judgment to be poured out upon the children of Zion. For shall the children of the kingdom pollute my holy land? Verily I say unto you, nay. Yeah. And that's why that promise is given of the temple and everything being reared. I don't know, but they've left the Book of Mormon and I. it's so clear to me that the message of the Book of Mormon was was way down the line as far as being preached. And it was more from then on, it was all about this. They gave this revelation on the priesthood and it was about establishing quorums and high councils and they were at odds with each other. And um, well, where did that message of knowing Jesus, where did these, the message of being converted like Alma, where is that in the, in the writings? Exactly. That, yeah, what you just said, they got so far away from the Book of Mormon. I think that hits the nail on the head is that people got a taste or a piece of something and then they ran with it. I know I've done this in my life where it's like, oh, yeah, I've got it figured out and then go and then come back. No, I didn't have it mm -hmm. figured out. And, and, and so, I mean, to even bring up David Whitmer one more time, that was his big biggest contention was that people were fleeing and gathering to Zion before – without understanding the Book of Mormon or the Covenants, you know? And it's like this: everything that you just read and shared uh, is evidence of that, is that it all of a sudden became a story about us. And it's like this is what the Book of Mormon teaches so perfectly is that it wasn't a story about the Gentiles who received the Book of Mormon, only there's a piece to play, there's a part in the history, but we kind of act like the story was about us and by us and for us and because of us, and we're going to do this. We just have to get a little better, and then we'll have Zion. And it's like it never said it that way. Um, yeah, God wanted them to, to come together to gather so that he could give them this power and spirit so that they could go into all the lands. And he said the purpose is to recover the house of Israel, to recover my people and restore them. Yeah, I, I want to do something that maybe is a little uncharacteristic. I want to, I want to tell something about the Book of Mormon without – like giving you a whole bunch of scriptures to prove it because I know sometimes I can want to share every detail of it and, and might take a little while to get to the point. But I, I just want to state a couple of things and then we can come back and get some of the scripture to fill it in. The whole Book of Mormon starts with this descendant of Joseph, Lehi's family, who find out they're of Joseph and they're broken off and they're brought to this land. Well, that is fulfilling a promise God made to Joseph, the old Joseph of Egypt, that his his seed, his literal descendants would never die off. Well, the word Joseph, if you want to look this up in the Book of Mormon, do scripture search, 
you, you'll find a lot of scriptures that all of a sudden tie Joseph in to the promise of this land. He said, I'm going to give you this land. This is your land forever. This is part of my promise to Israel is to you people, Joseph. And so when you, when you start seeing these scriptures about Joseph, the name Joseph is associated that with this, this land and the promise when Israel was scattered, it was for disobedience. When they were scattered, it was because they fell away from God. Joseph, this remnant of Lehi's family here, this remnant of Joseph, wasn't brought here for that reason. It wasn't because they were disobedient. God did it because he had a purpose for them, right? But the majority of Israel was scattered because they fell away from God. The Book of Mormon teaches, and I'm going to share this in some scripture later. I just want to state it. There's a, there's a parallel. When people fall away from God spiritually, they were scattered physically. But when people turn to God spiritually, that is what prompts the regathering. And the, so the physical gathering correlates with a spiritual coming to the knowledge of Christ. When people fell away from God, you know, as we saw in the days of Israel, when Lehi left Jerusalem, because it was about to be destroyed, all of these people who were God's people were doing anything but worshiping God and following his ways. They were all corrupt. And so that's why they were scattered and the city was destroyed. But the prophecy is that those people, the remnant of them, will come back to a knowledge of Jesus one day. And that is what brings their gathering. That is what brings Jesus back into their midst. And then the cities are built. And this is where we've got so far off as the Gentiles thinking, oh, wait, gathering, Zion, build Zion, let's go right now. And it's like, wait a minute, it's talking about these people of the house of Israel. It's not just talking about a few people who found the word in Kirtland, all right? And, and I hate to be blunt, but here's here's one place where uh, there, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about Joseph and the promise of this land. But, but I want to just key in on one, and this is from the third book of Nephi, chapter two. This is important because Mormon interjects about, oh, six verses here, maybe eight, that are key to understanding the real reason for Zion. By real reason, I'm saying it, it never mentions Enoch or Enoch City, even anywhere in the Book of Mormon, but especially here. It doesn't mention the Gentiles so much, but there is a role to play. But it mentions everything about the house of Israel. And, and what I'd like to do is just read this. There's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of parallelisms. I'll, I'll just touch on them. I, I don't want to get lost in that. But, but I want us to see how the point of Zion was to bring people, scattered Israel, back to a knowledge of Jesus. This is why the promise of Zion is. And it starts at 3 Nephi chapter 2, verse 102. Mormon starts saying, I am Mormon and a pure descendant of Lehi which means he's of this tribe of, of Joseph. I have reason to bless my God and my Savior, Jesus Christ, it, that he brought our fathers out of the land of Jerusalem, and no one knew it, save it were himself and those which he brought out of the land. I'm itching to tell all the parallels in here, but I know I'll get lost if I do. But, but notice, he says, and he's given me and my people so much knowledge unto the salvation of our souls. So this word, given knowledge, this is going to appear in the next several verses, as well as the people. Now notice 104, surely he hath blessed the house of Jacob and hath been merciful to the seed of Joseph. That's a great little Bible parallelism, but the words and the names are important. Bless the house of Jacob means Israel. Jacob is Israel, right? The 12 tribes. And then has been merciful to the seed of Joseph. That was one tribe. And now this is this is the, a type of parallelism. It's kind of a staircase where it gets more and more specific. He starts out saying, bless the house of Jacob, all the tribes, been merciful to the seed of Joseph, one tribe. And then it says in verse 105, and inasmuch as the children of Lehi have kept his commandments, he hath blessed and prospered them according to his words. So each group is blessed. Jacob, the 12, merciful merciful to Joseph, the one, but then the children of Lehi, that's just one family out of Joseph. See how it gets more and more specific? Mm -hmm. And he's saying they're all blessed and prospered according to his word. And then 
notice in verse 106, yea, surely he again will, let me state this correctly, yea, and surely shall he again bring a remnant of the seed of Joseph to the knowledge of the Lord their God. So he says, he starts off saying, my people have been brought to a knowledge of the salvation of our souls. Then he says he's blessed Israel, he's blessed Joseph, he's blessed Lehi, all to do what? In verse 106, to bring them to a knowledge of the Lord their God. This is what has to happen first, is that the children of Lehi, this and where it says the seed of Joseph, this is important in 106, because when it says the seed of, it means physical by DNA descendants. Okay, it's not just spiritual association. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about the physical descendants of Lehi through Joseph. And he says, surely he will bring again a remnant of them to the knowledge of the Lord their God. This is the promise that Enos was praying for, you know, Jacob's son earlier in the Book of Mormon. Hey, I'm praying for my people that someday they'll come back to a knowledge of you. Well, Mormon starts out saying there's a promise that they're going to come back to a knowledge. And this is the biggest blessing one can ever have in this earth is to come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, to know how to come to him, to know how to be saved. It's greater than having a new car or a, or a house with everyone in their own bedroom. You know, these things we count as blessings where I didn't get sick with COVID this week. You know, that's a blessing. But this point is that the, everything is moving towards the remnant of these scattered people coming back to a knowledge. I it's, love that he started out that, he has, he has given me and my people so, so much, much knowledge. Man. I love that phrase. Yep. So he's given us so much knowledge about the salvation of our souls, and that's why Jesus told Joseph, "Gather to the, the the Ohio, gather the elders, so that I can bless you, so that you can take the fullness of my gospel and go out to all nations." And if they would that's have stopped, your calling. If they would have stopped there or stayed on that task, maybe what a different world this place could have already been. Right, but you know they went. Well, I won't. I won't comment on that. But you're right. That's the whole thing. So much knowledge. He's saying we've got so much knowledge, and and uh, who knows how much was written in the other plates that we don't have records of. You know, but it's like even in the Book of Mormon, there's so much knowledge of Christ and how to come to Him. The salvation of our souls. Yeah, that's that's a message that um, not only didn't did not take it to the we didn't. The church didn't do a good job of taking that to the house of Israel, but we we <laughs> that very message got perverted the salvation of souls and how it happens so so badly. Exactly, exactly. And so this um, he uh, part of me again. I I made this in the parallels, and, and there's a beautiful chiasm or two in this. We'll leave all that aside for now because the words themselves are just powerful and tell tell the message. But notice then. As you point out, so much knowledge concerning the salvation of our souls. Verse 106 says he's going to bring the remnant of the seed of Joseph to the knowledge of the Lord their God. And then 107 says, and as surely as the Lord liveth, he will gather in from the four quarters of the earth all the remnant of the seed of Jacob, which are scattered on the face of the earth. So see how it started Family, out. and then the whole, the whole family, yeah, the smaller family, and then the whole family. Right. See, it started with the whole family, and then it goes to Joseph and Lehi, going to bring them to a knowledge. And then it says, and then here's the punchline, he's going to gather in the whole family from wherever they are scattered on the face of the earth. And then this is this is great Hebrew. You can count how many times I think the word covenant is in this just one verse. It's like six times. And as he has covenanted with all the house of Jacob, even so shall the covenant wherewith he hath covenanted Hmm. with the house of Jacob be fulfilled in its own due time. You know, this is a little, um, it's a parallel, it's a chiasm. So as he's made the promise with the house of Jacob, the covenant that he makes is going to be fulfilled unto the restoring all the house of Jacob unto the knowledge of the covenant that he covenanted with them. So the point is, it starts out with Jacob. It points to Joseph, the special promise to Lehi. They're going to come to a knowledge so that what? So that all of Israel can learn about the covenant God made, that they're not forgotten. And this is so much bigger than Jackson County and people sitting on the fishing river, you know, um, so that 
they will all be restored unto the knowledge of the covenant. What's the covenant? You know, the, of, of salvation and God. And notice, well, here's the punchline. Exactly, and this is the point. And then shall they know their Redeemer, which is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I mean, none of, none of that stuff happened in these early days in Jackson County. It didn't happen, but this is the point, is that this is what has to happen first, then shall they know their Redeemer, who is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and then shall they be gathered in from the four quarters of the earth unto their own lands from whence they have been dispersed. As the Lord liveth, so shall it be. Amen. And that's the point is that they have to come to a knowledge first, and then the real gathering happens. This is like we had everything so backwards. I can tell you want to say something. No, I'm no, just no, 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 no. It's no, but this is the point: is that through this word of Joseph that we've got here in our hands, the world, but Israel specifically, is going to be transformed by it, and that day hasn't happened yet. And when now the Book of Mormon describes by timeline how and when some of that happens. And it's it's beautiful. It comes by Jesus' own words. But I want to lay this out that this is the point is that the scattered people who don't know God or don't know the covenants God made with God with them to bring them back first to understand him. See, this is what I was alluding to earlier. Just, they were dispersed for falling away from God, but when they come to a knowledge of him, then they're gathered. It isn't, oh, we'll get gathered and then you can come learn, right? Mm-hmm. This is the whole point is that the promise is that then they shall know that he is their redeemer, Jesus Christ, the son of God. Then shall they be gathered from the four quarters of the earth. And and so this is the foundation of of Zion in the in the pure, largest sense that the scriptures describe. It's it's Israel and then the world coming back to a knowledge of who Jesus is. It's 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 a different story than you know. Hey, we are under condemnation because we still need to buy all the land west of the courthouse. You know, it's like well, we we need to be righteous and build a city, right? So that Enoch City can come down. the The whole point is that the promises start when this word goes back to at the center of this little chiasm is Lehi and his remnant. That's the point. And this is why it's like I said earlier, I can learn about Zion by putting blinders on to kind of the things that happened in the 1830. Much of that's told in the Doctrine and Covenants, but also our church history. I can even for a while, not not for any spiritual reason, but just for clarity's sake, I can just set the account in Genesis 9 and the inspired version about Enoch aside just for a minute. And I'm not saying that it's not important. I'm just saying I, I need to get this foundation first because in our minds— we have jumped way ahead to like dessert. We've skipped the salad and the mm-hmm. dinner and the entree and everything. And we just say, Enoch City's coming down out of heaven. That's what Zion is. It's like, no, Zion is all these dispersed people who are children of Abraham, who God made a covenant with Abraham and the forefathers, has not been forgotten. And this is all important. It has to be fulfilled before any physical cities are built. They shall know the Redeemer, which is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Exactly, exactly. So the the reason for us looking into Zion and what the Book of Mormon says is because it doesn't erode foundation, but rather builds a solid foundation and gives, I believe, hope that we have to expect that when men fall away and men will fall away and miss uh, the clear will of God that things happen and that's that's the course of history from the beginning of time. The saints were given a, a task to bring the fullness of the gospel to the house of Israel, Joseph and and when when the attitude shifted from that to other things, then we have to expect what we have now. Right. But the hope is when we talk about knowing our Redeemer and Jesus, you know, Jesus Christ, when when that's the only focus in knowing him and, and who he is and having much knowledge about our salvation and how that changes us and gives us love for each other, when that happens, God takes care of everything else. And so I think by shifting our focus 
and making sure it's on task that we find more hope and a greater foundation. And we don't have to be feeling bad about what has happened in the past, like we're great failures. It's just all part of the the plan. Our, our, our plan was, God's plan for us primarily was to get this word back to this remnant of Joseph and Israel. And um, and who knows, maybe that day is, is coming upon us now. Um, to, to close the loop on this chapter of 3 Nephi 2, I, I, I want to just tie in a couple scriptures. I know we've touched on them, but I think it's important to see it now in context of this. The, the word Joseph, again, if you just search through that, you're going to see scriptures where it's maintained through the Book of Mormon that the people of the Book of Mormon were the remnant of Joseph. I'm just going to give you one. Captain Moroni in Alma 21 at verse 54 says, Moroni saith to them, Behold, we are a remnant of the seed of Jacob. Okay, that's the 12 tribes. Yea, we are a remnant of the seed of Joseph whose coat was rent by his brethren into many pieces. So he's maintaining still that these are descendants of Joseph. And then when you get down into 3 Nephi 4, this is right when Jesus is introducing himself to the people. It says, Our father Jacob testified concerning a remnant of the seed of Joseph. And behold, are not we a remnant of the seed of Joseph? So you see, they keep seeing this promise to Joseph, the promise to Joseph, the promise to Joseph. Well, so finally, in 3 Nephi 7, 13, Jesus says these words. It came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words, he said unto those 12 whom he had chosen, you are my disciples and you are a light unto this people, which are a remnant of the house of Joseph. So, he keeps reiterating, and when, when he shares these words, Jesus finally you know, states that when the Gentiles get this gospel, it's going to come to you, and it's going to come to you at a time when they reject it. And you, this remnant of Joseph, will rise up like a lion among them. You know, it just the, the parallels in the Book of Mormon are already given where the Lamanites who are wicked and corrupt all of a sudden are transformed, like in the previous podcast, the man who just said, I don't want to do the old things I did anymore. I know I'm different now. The same thing happened to the Lamanites in the Book of Mormon from time to time. They became more righteous than the Nephites. When this word goes back to the remnant in our day or maybe in a day shortly to come, the same thing happens to them. And that is what triggers this remnant building the city. Now, there's several scriptures that point that out in 3 Nephi 9 and 3 Nephi 10, but, but I just want to bring this back to this new Jerusalem that we've been talking about. And this is in Ether 6. Ether states that a new Jerusalem should be built up upon this land unto the remnant of the seed of Joseph. Now, anyone following in their scriptures, you know, tie this in with the first scriptures of the Book of Mormon that talk about Lehi's family being a remnant of Joseph, or like we just said, Moroni's talking about them being a remnant of Joseph. Everyone, when they see this, this seed of Joseph, seed always refers to physical children descendants. The promise of the new Jerusalem on this land was to be built up because of those people, right? And and again, this is where I think the people in the 1830s got a little bit of an idea, but they didn't fully understand it. And all of a sudden, the story became about us. You know, we have to go, we have to do this, we have to buy all the land west of the courthouse. Well, okay, there might be a purpose for that, but the scriptures also say there's going to be judgment on the Gentiles and the land's going to be cleansed anyhow. So I, I don't know what property deeds really mean at that point, but that's probably not the point. But the point is this. It was because of this promise to Joseph on this land the new Jerusalem would be built up unto the remnant of the seed of Joseph. And then he says, uh, he talks a little bit about the type and shadow, but jumping ahead to Ether 6, verse 8, wherefore the remnant of the house of Joseph shall be built up on this land, and it shall be the land of their inheritance. And here it is. Here's the punchline. And they shall build up a holy city unto the Lord, like unto the Jerusalem of old. All that happens after Third Nephi 9, where it says, when the Gentiles reject the gospel, you guys do the same thing, like Third Nephi 2. You guys hear the gospel, you come to a knowledge of it, you, 
you are blessed with that knowledge, and then that is what allows them to have Christ in their presence. And that is what 3 Nephi 10 says. I'm going to be in your midst. The power of heaven is going to come down. You're going to build a city. And then the work begins. It goes out. This is a, and as we tell, as we talk about these things, I'm not, certainly don't want to put down or, or feel superior to the saints in the early, you know, 1830s and all of the things that they did. They, they, they were just people of the Lord, loved by the Lord. They have this new book. They have this excitement, the power of the Lord's moving. And so are many other uh, spirits and things trying to thwart that work. And they don't, you know, they don't have the computers and the knowledge and the news that we have today to be able to see the bigger picture sometimes that we, of Israel and everything. And so they, they did such a great work. And the hope is just this. When, when the vision is removed from what the Book of Mormon states, bad things happen. Yeah. And it has to be first and foremost. And that's where I, I feel I don't, I don't know where, I don't think I believe everything David Whitmer, I don't understand everything, but he had a love for the Book of Mormon and the gospel, and he wanted that gospel to go forth. And that's where he and all, most of the other witnesses were at odds at some point with the church that um, that never denied their testimony of this book. And so when we leave the the plain message, you know, bad things happen. And when we return to that message, like you said, then the Lord gathers, but it's the spiritual returning to the gospel first. First. Yeah. First. Every time, every time. And that's, that's what I think our, our focus as people in the restoration. And I use that word collectively. I don't just mean single branches or I just mean anyone who's found the book of Mormon and, and holds it to be true um, can, know that this plan is still in place. It's unfolding right now. Um, I, I got to throw this in, you know, a week or so at Sunday, ago at Sunday school, I shared some video clips from the One for Israel people who uh, are Messianic Jews in Jerusalem who are sharing the word of Jesus Christ and even showing how they're teaching from Isaiah 53 and other scriptures, the Messiah, the story of the Messiah to Jews, and they're responding to it. Well, I included some clips in my uh, class and that class went online on YouTube. And then sometimes if you borrow content from someone else, if they've copyrighted it, uh, YouTube will tell you, you know, you've got a copyright claim. This doesn't mean you've done anything illegal. It just means you can't make money off of their clips. You can, you can, you can reference them and all that fine. I'll let you know. Well, coincidentally, I was thinking about this driving over here today, Mike, I got five hits restore gospel website, got five hits from Jerusalem in the last week or Israel. And I'm wondering if somehow, I'm hoping this happened anyhow, <laughs> did they get a notice? Someone used your video. You know, I don't know if YouTube informs them or not, if mm -hmm. someone else used it. But who knows? Maybe they maybe they did find out that someone's borrowing their stuff, and they're going to see all their work on Isaiah 53 coupled with Abinadi's story in the Book of Mormon. And who knows? Someday, uh, it's amazing when you watch one for Israel YouTube videos. When you see these people from, and, and I know you'll agree, all walks of life, you know, Orthodox Hebrew people and, and Jews and other people who have these testimonies about finding Jesus and, and enduring, even in this day, being spit on, being beaten up, as people told, for their testimony of Jesus, because it, it's true. I don't know anything that could top that. But then considering that, I thought, you know, the only thing that could really top that is if they one day tell a story and I learned about Jesus, and I'm a Jew, and I learned about it from the Book of Mormon. You know, that would that would really be amazing. And someday, not, and it won't be to our credit, you know, ours collectively or even individually. It's going to be by the power of God in His own day. Third Nephi two says He's going to fulfill that covenant in His own time. That's what it says in His own time, and it will be by Him and for Him, and that. Most importantly, it'll be about him. They'll come to a true knowledge of him. And won't that be wonderful? But I was just contemplating, hey, who knows if somehow uh, maybe that day is beginning where the, these people who have a pure love for Christ already um, would would find the message of their forefathers had been written and buried in the earth for 2,000 years, and now it's coming to them. Uh, well, if you want something to do this week, 3rd Nephi 9 there's a great sign, verse 86. It says, I give unto you a sign that you may know the time when these things shall be 
about to take place that I shall gather in from their long dispersion my people, O house of Israel, and shall establish again among them my Zion. Yes, yes. And it goes on to say that that the Gentiles will come to know uh, of the truth and the gospel shall be brought forth. And then here's the sign, the key. It says, Verily I say unto you, when these things shall be made known unto them of the Father, and shall come forth of the Father from them unto you, for it is wisdom in me, the Father, that they should be established in this land and be set up a free people by the power of the Father, that these things might come forth from them unto a remnant of your seed. That's the reason for the United States uh, it says to be established as a as a land in a free people, so that these things could come forth. Yeah, couldn't have happened in uh, communist China. No, and so it goes on to talk about if the Gentiles don't repent, what will happen. But if we do repent, how we can then assist in their work. And I think that's the hope of the restoration. And and all of us that have the Book of Mormon is to continually read it and see it for what it is that we might have much knowledge of our salvation and allow that to change us. Much knowledge. That has to come first because that's what we're talking about, right? Exactly. Jesus dying for us, faith under repentance. Everything, broken heart and and the change of heart. And and that, I think, in a sentence, is what gives me the comfort where I, I don't worry about, well, it said this in the Doctrine and Covenants and they were supposed to do this, and it's like, Trying to make sense of that, you know, you just you you work yourself into a corner and you can never get out of it because there are some inconsistencies and things that don't make sense. But when I read this story, I mean, the the short answer is, what about Zion? Zion comes when these covenants are fulfilled. the The people who are the original seed, the original descendants of these people, come to a knowledge of Christ first, and when they come to a knowledge of Christ. The power of God is among them, and the cities are built then. And and our role was to be a vehicle to get that knowledge to them, and we will participate equally in that if we are repentant, no doubt about it. But it's a much bigger story than what we were telling ourselves back in the 1800s. Yeah, I just have more hope. I I, I feel like it's not this little battered-down people that are huddled up in a fort while the enemy surrounds us, but it's like (laughs) the Calvary's on the way, and it's going to be led by Jesus, and there's help coming, and we just, (laughs) let's let's get our hearts right and study the plain word of Jesus contained in the Book of Mormon. that's, That's where my hope is. Amen, amen. Oh my gosh. I love this conversation, brother. Thank you for hosting us and for giving us hope that someday we're going to walk arm in arm with people we have yet to meet who speak in different languages and live in different lands, and we will all walk each other home to Zion.